to catch up with a little bit, uh, so we'll do it. Let me, uh, we're going to start uh, something tonight. We're going to start a, a series, but before we do that, let me just tell you something totally off uh, the subject. Well, it's not off the subject, but it's off, uh, off script. So we'll tell you this. Um, basically, when Jesus was asked one time, hey, sum up what pleases God. Let us know what, what, what's, the, what's the deal. What's the bottom line? He said, okay, you can sum it up with two simple things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so basically, he said, you know, if you want to sum up everything that's on God's agenda for you is love him and love people. That's what he wants you to do. And so what you're going to find is that each week as we're in here, we're going to be talking about different topics. We'll be addressing different subjects. Same thing in your small groups. You'll find the same thing. But all of that is going to be centered around if you will simply take those things and dress them up and put them into practice. What you'll find is you'll find yourself beginning to love God, beginning to love other people more every single day. And so that's what we're going to try to do and try to be about. And we want to, what we really would like to do is to, as, as we walk with God, work in loving God and loving others just into the normal rhythm of life throughout the week. A lot of times what you find is people really intend to. I mean, they thought, I really intend to do that, you know. Kind of like me, I've been intending to start exercising for years. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, they really intend to. They just don't quite get it done, you know. And so one of the things you want to do is you want to you really do that. But that's free. This is uh, what we're starting tonight. We're starting a series tonight called Rethink It. Rethink It. And so basically what we're going to be looking at is some questions that can really change your life if you put them into practice. And so um, the way I began to think about this series uh, here was... Several, several months ago, I heard about this guy, Andy Groves. Now, if you've never heard of Andy Groves, you are not alone, okay? I had never heard of him when somebody mentioned him to me. I thought, who? You know, and, but Andy Groves, uh, for those of you that don't know, he was like the founder and CEO of Intel. Now, Intel is one of the largest uh, producers of, you know, uh, semiconductors and memory chips, if you have a computer and you look on there somewhere, it probably has something Intel in it, you know. And if you look in very many of the things around campus, they probably have something Intel. And so you look at these, you know, that's, that's who he was. But Intel, there came a point several years ago, probably about 15 years ago, where Intel was going through this incredibly rough period. They were losing a lot of money. They were losing market share. They were losing all kinds of things. And in this time, you know, they were trying to figure out, what do we do? What do we do? I mean, we're all going to go down with the ship. Everything's going to go. The whole company's going to go upside down. Everybody's going to be out of a job. What are we going to do? And so one day, um, Andy Grove is talking to this guy, Gordon, who was the, he was the CEO, Gordon Moore. He was the CEO of Intel at the time, and Andy was the president. And he comes in, and as they're beginning to talk, he records this in a book. Now, you're going to love the name of this book, Only the Paranoid Survive. Okay, I, I thought, what a great title. Uh, you know, but he goes in, and he's talking to him. So this is the conversation. He says, I looked out the window at the Ferris wheel of the Great American Amusement Park revolving in the distance. Then I turned back to Gordon, and I asked, if we got kicked out and the board brought in a new CEO, what do you think he would do? Gordon answered without hesitation, he would get us out of the memory chip business. I stared at him, numb, and then said, why shouldn't you and I walk out the door and come back in and do that ourselves? And thus they did, 
and Intel turned around, and Andy Grove was looked at as this genius, you know, like, how did he do that? Well, he did that by beginning to ask a different question. And when I first heard that story, I thought, boy, those are two fantastic questions. The first one, you know, if somebody new came in and took our place and they were in our spot, what would they do? What would they do? And then the second one, when he says, hey, you know what? Why don't we just go outside and then come back in and do it ourselves? And I thought, yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, have you ever faced things where you're looking at them and, and you're thinking, gosh, life is not turning out like I thought it was going to. You know, some of you, you know, you got here and you met your roommate. You thought, life is not turning out the way I thought. Uh, some of you, you know, you got here and your roommate met you. And they thought life is not. But, I mean, you know, some, sometimes it's, it's in grades. Sometimes it's in, you know, academics. Sometimes it's in, in relationships. Sometimes it's in a lot of different areas. You know, sometimes it's family. There's all sorts of different areas where you look at it and it seems like, gosh, this seems hopeless almost. I mean, it seems like there's nothing that I can do that's going to turn this around. It's like going to be like this forever, and I'm stuck. And there's folks here that you'll meet them on campus. There's a lot of folks. I mean, honestly, there's just a hopelessness that goes on inside of them. And, and for many of you, I'm sure you've been through some of those things where, where you, you know, there's just this hopeless outlook or, you know, what am I, what am I going to do with this? Now, some of you, just like myself, you know, some of you have been doing things that were blowing up around you your whole life, you know. I mean, some of you, it, it's in the way that you relate to your parents. Uh, some of you, it's in the way you do relationships. Uh, for some of you, it's in the way that you approach friendships. It, it can be in a lot of different areas. But you keep doing things, and you think, man, this is not going well, but I don't really know what else to do and I don't know how to handle this, and at least I know how to deal with the fallout from this because I've blown it so many times. And so, therefore, I know kind of what to do. So maybe I'll just keep doing this crazy thing because at least I know how to deal with some of the fallout. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you could ask yourself a question? What if you could actually begin to see things as clearly on the inside for yourself as other people looking into your life can see them? What if you did that, and what if in the midst of doing that, you know, you figured out, okay, this is exactly what I should do, and then what if you just went outside, came back in, and began to do that yourself? Now, do you think you could do that? I mean, I think you can. And the reason I think you can, I mean, I've done that. I think, you know, I've done it in, in, in several different situations. I think you could do that as well. It's just going to take a little work. So what I'd like us to do tonight is this. I'd like us to look at a given topic, and then I want us to see, okay, when we ask a question and we begin to think about it from the standpoint of somebody else and we begin to look at it, how can we think clearly so that we can make some progress? Now, the one I'd like us to look at tonight is just a simple one. It's just the question of, you know, getting to know and love God. Now, for some of you, you've been making great progress in that for a long time. Others of you, you know, you are as confused as a duck in the desert. You know, I mean, you're just sitting there going, I don't know what's going on here. You know, just others of you, you've kind of gotten started on some of that, but, you know, you kind of hit and miss, you know, and others, you've had great thoughts about that. It just hasn't come to fruition, but you've had great thoughts about it, you know, and 
So you, you, people are all starting at a variety of places on that. And so what I want us to do is, you know, to look at that and ask the question, what would somebody that really wanted to know and love God do to help that happen? Like, you know, let's suppose someone else came in and they began to live your life. And they were somebody who really did want to know and love God. What kind of things would they do to begin to make that happen? Now, part of the answer to that is found in a passage in the Old Testament. It's uh, written by a guy named Jeremiah. And in this passage, you know, he, he talks about how we can actually uh, begin to really get to know God. And he talks about how, see, that's one of the things you find. If you don't get to know God, it's going to be really hard to love him. I used to have all these people that would talk all the time, and honestly, it just kind of weirded me out. You know, they would say things like, oh, I just love God so much. And I'd think, yeah, I have a healthy respect for him. Uh, you know, and they would be like, don't you really just love God? I think, yeah, love. I like him a lot, uh, you know. But, and the reason was because, I mean, I just didn't know him well enough. You know, and I always kind of thought it was just like, I must just be a guy. Um, but what I found was, no, I just need to get to know him. The more I got to know him, the more I was like, wow, good night. Now I can see why people love him. But it, was, it took some time to get to know him. So Jeremiah picks up on this. This is the first thing he says. He, he's kind of um, the first part, you know, of this. So he's, he says this in Jeremiah 29. Now, this first part's going to look familiar to you. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Now, for many of you, you know, you, that's as far as you've ever read, okay? You kind of read verse 11, and then you're kind of like, that's right. Me and God, God and me. You know what? I love that. My verse. I have it on a pillow on my bed. You know, I mean, I really love that verse. And, you know, you kind of get all excited about that, and you think, oh, that's wonderful. But see... What you don't understand is the verse doesn't stop in verse 11. It keeps going on in verse 12 and 13. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, when you begin to think about some of these things, and you begin to think about God, and you think, okay, if God is who he said he is, then shouldn't getting to know him be like the priority for our life? I mean, since, you know, all eternity is kind of like centered around him, wouldn't it be a good idea to kind of get to know him and really figure out what's going on? Since, since all of life was designed by him, and he's the one who superintends it and watches over it. Wouldn't it be a really good idea to get to know him? Well, you know, I, I think so. I think so. You know, beginning to look at that. So let's say you did. Let's say you were asking that question, and you were asking, what would somebody that really wanted to know and love God, what would they do in order to help that happen? Would you know how to get started? Would you have the idea, you know, hey, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly, you know, how to handle this. Well, Jeremiah says this. He says, if you're going to get to know God, you need to earnestly and eagerly seek him with all your heart. 
So one of the very first things for you is going to have to be, you know, you have to kind of prioritize that. That's going to come a little bit ahead of, you know, uh, I've got to get to the gym every single day. You know, I need to eat, you know, 12 well-rounded meals uh, a day. Uh, I need to, uh, you know, just all those different things that maybe that was just me. Uh, so, uh, you know, all those things that, you know, you might think you want to do that. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes what I thought um, oftentimes as I first began to see God, I thought God was really kind of like going, do you want to get to know me? No. And I'd say, oh, I really didn't know. And I, oh, come on. You know, I mean, I felt kind of like I was chasing him around. Every time I went this way, he'd kind of, no. And that's really the concept I had in my mind. For the longest time, I kind of thought, well, that's, you know, God's just kind of playing cat and mouse here, you know, and he's, he likes to just kind of, you know, play hide and seek with us or something like that. And I think, you know, I, I, what's that? But see, that's really not an accurate picture. When you look at scripture, that's not an accurate picture of God at all. Well, in fact, let me show you a picture. This is the guy right here. This is uh, the, little, the little lad on the left. These are, these are two of the uh, grands. These are uh, the two oldest. This is Xavier. That's his sister, Lola. He has another sister, but that's for another time. But uh, that's Xavier. That's Lola. Now, Xavier's an old guy now, okay? He's six. Uh, you know, uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's basically signing Social Security things. But um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's six years old. But, you know, when he was younger, when he was a few years younger, like about four, one of his biggest things was he would say, Papa, want to play hide-and-seek? I'd say, okay. And he'd say, all right, you count. And I thought, well, I'm always the one that counts. You count. I, okay. So I would count. And I would sit there, and he, are you looking? I'm not looking, you know. And so then he would go over, and he would, like, stand behind something like this. You know, actually, I'm serious. We have, like, a light, a lamp that's in the living room. And he would be standing behind this. And I'm kind of thinking, kid doesn't get the game, does he? You know? And, uh, you know, and, I, and so I'd get up, and I'd say, um... Hmm, where could Xavier be? And I hear, and I and I kind of think, okay. Uh, and I kind of look. I say, wonder if he's under the couch. And I'd hear, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, maybe, um, maybe he's over here behind the chair. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, he's not behind. So I'd go around. I'm, you know. Ten minutes, I'd wonder if he's under the pillows. No. Okay. You know, and I keep looking, looking, looking. And finally, I'd go, wonder if he could be behind the lamp. And I hear, oh. And, and, and I'd go over there, and I'd move the lamp, and I'd say, oh, there you are. He'd go, let's do it again. I'd go, all right. And so you, you, know, you kind of look at him, and you think, is, is Xavier slow? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, is, is that what it is? I mean, does he not get, you know, you, you know, lamp this wide, Xavier this wide? They don't, you know, I mean, what's. No, Xavier wasn't slow. You know what the thing was with Xavier? The fun part for him was not hiding. The fun part for him was being found. It's the same thing with God. What you find out for him is the fun part for him is not remaining hidden from any of you. The fun part for him is being found. He loves for you to come in and find him. He loves to sit over there and go, nope, not there. Nope. Where are you looking? Oh, no, that's not, no. No. And all of a sudden you think, oh, right here? And he goes, yeah, right here. Let's do it again. That's the heart of God. So if you're going to do that, if in fact 
you were asking yourself that question, what are some things I could do that I could begin to help? What would be some helpful hints for you as you begin to seek God with all your heart? Let me give you three helpful hints, and then I'll give you some uh, resources, some practices that you could, um, you could do. Three hints. One, get it in your schedule. Now, I know that sounds so terribly, like, mundane, but get it in your schedule. And you kind of think, really? Schedule it? I mean, shouldn't it just kind of happen? Um, no, actually. You know, I used to have that thought. I got married uh, one time. Um, <laughs> only once. Uh, 40, about 40 years ago. And um, got married. I know. <laughs> I was five. Um, but um, <laughs> so I get married. And like um, when I did, you know, you kind of have that feeling like we're just going to be around each other all the time. So we don't really need to schedule time together. At least that's what I thought. What I found out was, no, oh, that's so not true. And uh, Melinda helped me to see that. And um, so I found out, you know what? We have to schedule time. Why? Because if you don't, guess what? There's just so many other things that come in and take up your time. And before long, you're kind of like, wow, I really intended to do that. I, I, I don't really know, you know, what happened there. And I know that it can sound really like super unspiritual, like it should just happen, but it really doesn't. So, I mean, think about it for a minute. How many of you have thought something like this? How many of you have thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend some time with God. But then you got up and then you started, you know, oh, you had a text. And so then you, you did that. And then you saw you had an email and you thought, well, I better answer that. And, and then, of course, since you were answering your email, there, there came up something from Facebook. And you kind of looked over there. And all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes was passed. And you were kind of sitting there thinking, hmm, well, you know what? I'm going to do this later today because I'm committed. How many of you have ever thought something like that? Not you, but I mean your roommate. Uh, have, have thought something like that and then found out later on, you know what? It just didn't happen. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. A few honest people, a few other people are going, well, I'll confess that later. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, I understand. You know, the thing is, it's not that we don't intend to. The problem is, it just doesn't happen. If it doesn't get in your schedule, it doesn't get in your life. You have to schedule it. So figure out a way. Put it in your schedule. Treat it just like any other thing you're doing. You know, like if somebody comes to you and they go, hey, you want to go hang out right now? You go, uh, I've got class. Now, some of you I know don't say that. Some of you are like, hey, sure. Uh, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> that will show up later on, too. We'll talk about that. But, you know, you, know, you, um, you don't do that. You just say, no, I can't do it right now. I could do it at this time or I could do it at this time, but I can't do it right now. And the reason I can't is because I've already got something going there. Do it the same thing in scheduling time with God. Somebody says, hey, you want to go to this? Well, I'd like to, but I've got something going right now. I have to do it another time. Take it seriously. Begin to put it in your schedule. Second thing I tell you, remind yourself of the goal. Remind yourself of the goal. If you don't do that, then all of the things you do to begin to get to know God and to begin to love him just become activities. Or worse, just responsibilities. And you just kind of sit around and go, well, the drudgery of having to go spend time with the creator of the universe. <sighs> you know, and it, that's how we think about things. So, you know, tell yourself the truth. Say, you know what, God, I am doing these things because I want to know you. Remind yourself of what's going on. 
Third hint I'd give you, start where you are, not where you wished you were. Now, if you ever want to see a classic example of this, go to the gym, okay? That's all you've got to do. You go into the gym one day, and you see all these guys that are out there going, Ew. and you can always tell because they're the ones who walk in with the brand new stuff on because they're going to go over here, and they intend to wreak havoc upon the weights. And um, so they do. They lift them totally wrong till they hurt themselves, and they lift them way too many times, and then they don't go back to the gym for about six months. And why? Well, because they didn't think about starting where they actually were. You know, for some of you, you know, where you start, you know, if it's kind of like if, if where you are on a scale of, you know, 1 to 10 and, and kind of moving towards getting to know God is a 3, great, wonderful, be a 3. If it's a 1, be a 1. Now, if it's a 7, be a 7. But, you know, just start where you are and begin to take steps. So what kind of things would you need to do? What are some resources that would help you to take steps? Let me give you three things, and if you will remember these, they'll just help you out a whole lot. Now, if I were a smart person, I would have alliterated all these so that you would have them, but unfortunately, there's, they're not alliterated. So you just have to remember this. Models, peers, and practices, okay? Models, peers, practices. If you will remember that simple thing, that will give you some resources that you can begin to move towards. So the first one, find a model. Find a model. When Paul is speaking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, he says this, Be imitators of me as I also am of Christ. Be imitators of me. In other words, you want to know how to get to know God? Follow me around. Watch what I'm doing. You want to know how to walk with God? Follow me around. Watch what I'm doing. And it, what Paul is saying is what Paul understood is <clears throat> for someone to begin to follow someone that they can't see, it's a much better idea to begin to follow someone they can see so they can begin to track and figure out how to do that. Then the further they go, the clearer it becomes, and they can, they can move forward on their own. Now, when I first landed on the college campus um, my freshman year, I mean, I was just fat, dumb, and happy. You know, I had absolutely no idea about how to do stuff. You know, I mean, I walked around there, and uh, I just remember I'd become a Christian about a year and a half earlier and, you know, was, you know, quantifiably dumb. Uh, didn't, uh, didn't really, I mean, I, I really didn't know what, to, didn't know how to, how to, you know, begin things. And I would ask people things like, uh, hey, so uh, what should we do now? And they'd go, Oh, what do you mean? So like, I, I, like I'm in, uh, you know, I, I joined, um, like, uh, the group, and uh, like I uh, became a Christian, so like, what do I do now? And they go, oh, um, well, pray and read your Bible, I think. Oh, okay. And I mean, I'd kind of think, you know, I, now I'm as confused as I was before. You know, I thought, well, I pray for meals. I guess maybe that, all right, that solves prayer, uh, you know, especially if I eat a lot. I mean, I could just pray all day, you know, without ceasing. Uh, so, uh, you know, so I began to think about that. And then, you know, I began to think about, okay, now what do I do, though, as far as, like, read the Bible? And I thought, hmm. And I thought, I keep getting confused because I start off, and there's, like, two, and then there's, like, four, and then there's, like, 20, and I think, whoa, whoa, and I read again, and I think somebody took a page out of there or something, and I, I just got so confused, and I would ask questions, and everybody would just say, well, just 
go pray and read your Bible. And I think, oh. So I got to college, and I thought, man, I guess what you do is you just kind of act like you know, but you don't really know. But then I found some guys that actually walked with God. And I thought, wow, good night. And I thought, I'd, I'd really... I'd really like to be like them. I mean, I'd really like to. I mean, they actually made decisions having known what the Bible said and, and based on that. They actually lived lives where they, they lived them in line with what, you know, the Bible taught and with how Jesus would want them to live. And I thought, wow. The only difference was many of the guys I met at first, I met a group. I mean, you know, I, I came in, I met about, you know, six or seven of them, and the six or seven I first met, they were really good guys like that. But they were very different than me, very different. Like, you know, I have never been a quiet person. I mean, ever. Like, you know, my mother used to always, you know, use your inside voice. What is that, Mom? You know, I mean, I, you know, I never have had an, I've, I've just never been a quiet person. In fact, I want quiet people to be quiet so I can talk. But, you know, I mean, I've never been a quiet person. And all these guys were quiet. I mean, they were real quiet. Like, you know, at least, you know, five out of six, they were quiet. I mean, like you would talk to them and you'd say, hey, man, the most exciting thing happened. You're not going to believe it. And they'd go, hmm. Oh. And I think, oh, gosh. You know, and I would come in, and I've also been a funny person most of my life, and I would say something incredibly funny, and one of them would go, hmm, huh. <laughs> that's, that's nice. And I would think, oh. <laughs> and I would just kind of go back, and I'm, oh. And then I think, well, we'll connect over sports. And I'd say, hey, you guys like, uh, you guys like into sports? And they're like, Oh, right. And they go, chess or checkers? And I think, oh. And I would just think, this is a hopeless situation. And I mean, this had only gone on. I mean, it seemed like it went on forever. It's about three days. Um, but, you know, it seemed like forever to me because I was brand new on the campus. And I remember walking out of my dorm one night and walking over to where this football field was and had this track that went around it. And I walked onto it and I began to walk up and down this football field, and I said, now, God, you know, um, I, I, I really do. I, I'd like to know you, and I'd like to learn to walk with you. And, um, I mean, I see these guys, and honestly, I can see that there's some real substance to them. And so, I mean, if I need to be boring like them the rest of my life to do this, I will. Um, but if, why did you make me this way if you wanted me to be boring? I mean, you know, couldn't you have made me, like, you know, quieter? Uh, and so I'm thinking about this, and I'm, but I'm, I'm resigned to the fact I think, you know what, if that's the price I have to pay, I'll, I'll pay it. And then I met this guy named Mike, and I was like, oh. Because Mike comes around, and Mike was a guy that was leading the ministry, and, and I met him, and... Mike's about, you know, he's about 6'5", and I come up and I meet him, and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, look at this. You know, I'm big, he's big, you know. <laughs> and uh, he started talking, and I thought, look at that. 
I'm loud, he's loud. And I thought, that's good, you know, and <laughs> we would play different things, and I'd think, he's athletic, I'm athletic. I thought, this is good. He would tell jokes, I'd think, he's funny, I'm funnier. I thought, this is great, you know, I mean, I thought, this is wonderful, you know, I, this is great. And I got around him. What I did notice, though, was this, I thought, you know what, he's godly, I'm not. So I have a lot to learn here. And boy, I did. I watched him like a hawk. And I mean, I bought up opportunities to be around him because what I found in him, here was a model of somebody that I could see that I thought, that's how you learn to walk with God. And that's what we need. That's what Paul recognized. That's what you know Jesus talked about. That's what Peter talks about and James and John and everybody else says, you know what? Look for models follow models. So first thing, find a model. Second thing, second thing you want to do, choose your peers. Choose your peers. You know, models, peers, and practices. Choose your peers. So one of the foundational factors in you getting to know God is going to be your friends. You really want to look at your friends. Now, we all need friends. We all want friends. We need friends because that's how God designed us, okay? I mean, he designed us for community you need people that you walk with. You need people you play with, you eat with, you gather with in small groups to look at things. You need friends, you know, and that's something that's very important. But most of us don't tend to pick friends in the wisest way. How, how's the way that most people pick friends? What do you think? Similar interests. That's exactly right. You know what? They like this kind of music. I like that kind of music. They like this kind of food. I like that kind of food. You know, they like this sports team. I like that sports team. You know, they, whatever it is, that's how we tend to pick friends. But if you stop and think, but that is not the wisest way to pick friends. I mean, there, there, there are much better ways. And if you begin to realize your friends almost imperceptibly, they begin to shape some things in your life. In fact, think about it right now. Your biggest regrets you have right now, did those happen with your friends or with your enemies? That's right. Yeah, you kind of think, oh, yeah. Those were the guys who were like, hey, oh, I've got a great idea. And you were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you were along going, I'm not sure it's a great idea. You know, let's not tell mom about this great idea. You know, yeah. So when you just pick people by interest, here's the problem. You don't consider character. You don't consider character, and character is huge. When you begin to pick friends, one of the things you want to look at is, you know, are they the kind of people that I want to be? Are they, you know, are they kind? Are they loving? Are they, are they patient? Are they humble? Are, are they wise? Are they the kind of people that, you know, really, I would like to be that kind of person with other people? Are those those kind of people? And when you begin to choose friends with values that are alike rather than people that with just interests that are alike. You do so much better. You do so much better, and, and it helps you out so much. Now, Solomon, a king in the Old Testament, one of the wisest men that ever lived, he picked up on that. And in Proverbs 13, 20, he says this, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, what he's talking about walks, when he says he who walks with, walks with just simply means does life with. He who does life with wise men, going to be wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, a lot of times I hear people, you know, how many of you 
your parents would say sometimes, hey, I don't really think I want you hanging out with so-and-so, or I don't want you really hanging out with this people, or, you know, that's probably not the wisest thing for you to be doing, running around with this group right over here, and you're like, why? Why is it you're trying to just ruin my life? I know you are. And they're like, no, no. Actually, it was because they saw some things that you didn't see. You saw similar interests. They saw a great variety in value sometimes. You thought, oh, this will be great. And they were like, nah, not so much. And what you want to do is you want to begin to think about your friends. You know, it's, it's not like you're worried about like, you know, well, I'll just go hang out with these people over here that are, you know, foolish. And foolish people in the scriptures are those who don't really take God into consideration. They don't really give him his rightful place in their thoughts. You know, the Bible says those are being foolish. And you look and you think, well, I'm not going to do what they do. I'm just going out with them. I'm not going to do what they do. Well, see, but that's not the issue. The issue is there's collateral damage. And sometimes you just being in the vicinity of them doing what they're doing can really cause harm for you. So what you want to do is you want to really look and figure out, okay, how can you pick friends? Because friends are one of the biggest factors in you getting to know God. For good or for bad, the decisions you make and the direction of your life will be impacted by friends. And, you know, this, this came clear. I, I'd been in school for probably, oh, gosh, probably about two months at that point. And what I noticed was there was a group of guys on my hall that kind of lived at this end, and there was a group that kind of lived at this end. And now if you were to ask, this, both of them would have identified, oh, yeah, we're both Christians. Now, the group at this end, you know, their motto was kind of see, how close to the edge can we skate, you know, with God just, you know, not going to throw us out totally. Uh, and they were kind of right there. This other group was, they were kind of like, hey, how can we really be serious about walking with God? Now, I didn't really pick that up as a freshman. I was kind of, oh, they're both Christians. Seems fine to me. Uh, like I said, I wasn't the sharpest pencil in the box. And so I kind of walked into that situation and looked at this. And, but there came a day where, you know, these guys had asked me, hey, you want to do this over here? And these guys had asked me, hey, you want to do this? And I had to choose. And I was like, Oh, my gosh. And you know how that is when you have to make choices sometimes. You're like, I want everyone in the world to like me. I, I, I just, I have that need. And so you kind of think things like that, or you think, you know, oh, I really don't want to disappoint it. Or there's also that part, which maybe it's just in me sometimes, where you're thinking, how close is that edge? I kind of, you know, kind of see that right there. You know, you kind of prone to wonder. You kind of look at that. Well, that was for me. And as I looked at that, you know, that day, I decided, you know what, these are the guys I'm going to hang with. This is who I'm going to do life with. And you know what? To this day, those are still some of my best friends. I, I still very much, you know, value them and appreciate them because, you know, those were guys who really decided to get after it. There's going to come some things like that for you. You need to make choices. When you pick your friends, you pick your future. So you want to really be wise. The last thing is develop practices. Find models, choose peers, develop practices. So what kind, what kind of practices do you need to begin to adopt to really get to know and love God? Three things I, I would suggest for you. One is just quiet times alone with him. 
you know, for some of you, that's going to occur in the morning. For some of you, that's maybe going to be in the evening or whenever it is for you. It doesn't really matter. What happens is, and what matters is, that it's in your schedule. You've got it in there. Take some time where you get with God by yourself in the scriptures and begin to get to know him. Now, we could talk a lot about how to do that. What I would tell you is this. You know what? If you're not sure how to do that, talk to your freshman connection leaders, talk to your life group leaders, talk to some uh, staff or somebody right here, you know, say, hey, what do you do in order to do this? Because, you know, not that I don't do this, I do, but I mean, I just want to know what you do. And then you can find out some things from them and maybe it'll help you to grow in that as well. Second thing, I would tell you there, an awareness of God's presence throughout the day. One of the things that will really help you, one of the practices you can begin to develop is just an awareness of God's presence. You know, like you're over there and you're going to class and you're going, well, I got this assignment. You know, that guy seems like he knows the answers better than I do. He's only one seat over and he, he steps back every time he writes something, you know. I mean, I wonder, you know, and yet to remind yourself, hey, you know what, even the darkness is light to you, God. You see it all. So I, I'm very aware of, of, of you being right there with me. Or as you walk through and things are going really well, saying, boy, you know what, God? Every good and perfect gift, that comes from you. Boy, what a great first week I've had on campus. You know what, God? Thank you. Thank you. Just an awareness of him throughout your day. And then the last thing, just a yielded obedience to him beginning to develop in your life. Now, you're going to have to take this by faith, those of you that are from California. But in other parts of the nation, they have different traffic things, okay? So, like, um, you know, like uh, we took a group one time. We were going back to visit some folks. And so we went back to the great state of Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. And so uh, we were there. And when we went back, we're driving in several vans. We've got several vans of us. And, um, you know, in California probably because there's so many people. When you go to pull onto a freeway, what does the sign say? Merge. That's right. Just get on. You know, find a way. You know, <laughs> doesn't matter. Just merge. Okay? Not in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, the sign says yield. Now, we had a guy that was used to driving in California. He almost never drove again uh, because he starts to pull on, and he's thinking, I'll just merge right in front of this guy in his pickup truck. Oh, no. No, the guy from Oklahoma understood. No, no, that sign says yield, and he just about took him out. And the guy's like, what was he thinking? And I said, uh, well, what he was thinking is you ought to read the sign. Uh, you know, the sign says yield. Now, here's the deal. A lot of times the way we've been raised. We think with God, God has an idea. We have an idea. Merge. God says, no, I've got an idea. Yield. See, we don't just merge our ideas with God. We yield ourselves to his ideas. What we decide is, you know what? How, what he says is how I do it. How he says, that's how I do it. And if you begin to do that, if you begin to just get some time with God, you begin to just be aware of his presence throughout your day. You begin to just have a yielded obedience to him. What you'll begin to find is over time, 
you really get to know him. And as you really get to know him, you really love him. And God changes everything right there in your life. So, you know, models, peers, practices. Find models, choose peers, develop practices. Um, some of you are probably going to be facing things or find yourself facing things here that um, you're, yeah, you, they're, they're going to kind of trip you up some. You're going to think, wow, I, I wasn't expecting that. What I would encourage you is, you know, instead of ignoring those problems or, you know, trying to figure out some way to medicate those problems or, or instead of just thinking, you know, well, I just need to leave this thing altogether and go do this, what I would encourage you to do is rethink it. Rethink it. Ask yourself a different question and then say, hey, you know what? Why don't I just go out the door and come back in and do that myself? And if you do, I think you're going to find life's really beginning to really begin to take a different turn for you. So we're going to look at several different areas over the next several weeks. You know, what are some areas like, uh, you know, what, what would a good roommate, what would a good roommate do in a situation like this? You know, or like, you know, if I really wanted, say, a happy marriage on another road, how would I go about dating now? What would I do there, you know? And, if I, you know, just we'll look at several different topics like that that hopefully will really help you to begin to put some pieces together and really help you learn to love God and love other people more. So let me pray, and uh, we'll welcome the band up here so they can uh, lead us in some more worship. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity of it. And thank you, Father, that uh, you really do desire to be found. You long for us to get to know you because in you is found purpose, in you is found peace, in you is found meaning. So, Father, help us to uh, be wise, to really, um, with all of our hearts, seek after you and discover what you're like. And we pray that in Jesus' name.